Welcome everyone. Uh, this is Carlos from SeedCamp. Uh, really excited to be here in sunny San Francisco, actually technically San Bruno. Uh, and with me I have Eitan, who is a strategy manager at YouTube. Uh, but he is one of these very unique people who have managed to have the best of both worlds. He is not only uh, at YouTube and therefore has a unique perspective on the culture there and what it's like to, to grow in a team that is, is, is moving very quickly and has lots of product pushes, but also he is also founder of Wizit. So he is at the same time running his own company. But before we get to that, Eitan, maybe you can start from the very beginning. I know you had a background in, in military, but maybe we start even before that. Like what, what, what did you study and where did you study and, and, and what was the next thing that happened after that? So, um, hi everyone. Um, it's Eitan here. Uh, Maybe we'll start even a, f a step before that. As a person who has grown up in different countries and cultures, I think that's had a very large impact on my life. And that's kind of, I think, led me to where I am today. So I was born in Australia and migrated to Israel. And Israel is a very entrepreneurial country. Um, and even before I went to the military, as I finished my high school there, uh, worked with two friends and we started a, a Web 1.0 kind of company where we help people create websites in 1998 which was super fun as a little 17-year-old running around convincing people to give us money to do that. And in the military, I had this really amazing experience. And <clears throat> I don't know if anyone's read Startup Nation, but in Israel, there's this education that you get in the military, which really teaches you to be entrepreneurial. And a lot of the people of my unit in the army later on went to, to found startups, um, even big ones today, which are on the verge of IPO or of, you know being sold out to large companies. Um, and I think I got my education and kind of entrepreneurial streak in the military. That's where you kind of learn how to do everything. You learn a bit how to code, you learn a little, a little bit how to look at how you solve problems with little resources that are available. Um, I studied at uh, Hebrew U in Israel. Um, I have a, a math degree and a political science degree. So again, living between two worlds. And uh, w I started a, an idea with a few friends of mine, which was basically um, help people make decisions. And I think there's a problem in this world where Technology creates the ability to make a decision because we have a lot of choice um, and we wanted to kind of solve that. I think there's this great quote from Barry Schwartz, the guy who wrote The Paradox of Choice. Mm. Um, we actually interviewed him for our startup and he gave us a lot of advice and he said, a problem that technology solves is, uh, sorry, I'll say it again. A problem that technology creates is a problem that technology should solve. Yeah. And we were hoping to be that. So, that, so that's an interesting arc because then not only were you academically kind of torn between two majors, you then uh, decided to go and study an MBA in, in England, but at the same time you're working on Wizard. Yeah, and so when I, I, went, to um, I went and studied an MBA at, uh, at Oxford, and Oxford was a, a really interesting kind of curveball to choose of when you go choose an MBA program. You know, there's, uh, there's clearly there's great MBA programs here in the US, and why do you look at Europe? I just like that the program there kind of had this main focus on entrepreneurship and I actually just went to the program with Wizard. I made maybe about 60% of my degree was Wizard between going from pitch events to um, they had a great entrepreneurship program there. I even hired class members to do the consulting project on Wizard. So basically my whole MBA was around Wizard at the end of the day. There was a few finance courses that we took here and there but at the end of the day um, I, I just remember we went through the whole phase of um, human-centered design, we had uh, kind of took this IDEO course and went around the school interviewing people and asking them about it, trying to draw out what's the perfect customer, 
um, MVPing it with a, a WordPress w uh, site at the university and having that kind of supportive environment. Um, and at the end of, uh, towards the end of Oxford, um, I was kind of faced with these really in interesting choice of, Wizard was doing quite well, um, we offered some, uh, the MVP was successful, had some, some good metrics. Uh, we were offered some uh, seed money, uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, and I could have pursued that career. Or there was this great opportunity to join YouTube and Google, which is just this phenomenal experience to be able to see Silicon Valley at its, at its best. Um, and when I was kind of sitting there, I called all these people that I knew, I spoke to some angel investors, what should I do, what should I do? And everyone kind of said to me, you, you can't do both. You can either be a startup founder, because you have to be 120%, and that's what investors expect from you, and that's what you need to do. Or you can go and pursue this career and you know, discover Google and whatnot, and do that for a few years, and then come and do your own startup, get that credentials, you'll have that on your resume, um, and everyone you know, in Silicon Valley will see you know, that you, can, you have that kind of experience behind you. For some reason, I, I thought I could do both, and I've been doing this for almost a year now. Um, Wizard has suffered as a result because you can't inject finance into it if you're not uh, on it 100%. But the great opportunity that I had is the fact that Wizard as a, as a company already generates its own revenue. So it's just getting it to a minimum scale where we can pay staff and then growing internally uh, before uh, we need to go big. So. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's interesting because I see an arc there, you know, two majors that you wanted to do at the same time, you know, an education at the same time you were doing a startup, and now full-time employee at the same time you're running your startup, and yet your startup is about reducing choices. Yeah. So the irony of it all <laughs> is that, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're searching for that choice. And, and I think it's curious uh, to some extent that this feedback that you got um, about having to make a choice. And maybe you can share with, with, with the audience what it is that uh, you, you, you seek or you, you sought to learn within the experience within Google and YouTube that, that uh, and how's that coming along? What are the key sort of things that you, because you had already had been working with it for a little bit, so um, some of the processes and some of the insights that you get from being in this kind of environment in Google slash YouTube. So uh, what you get at Google is, is just this amazing experience. Um, so the, f the first thing from a, like a general perspective is, is just being in Silicon Valley. Um, I. You, you know, you watch this TV show, Silicon Valley. I was watching it as it came out while I was at Oxford. And you're kind of like, oh, this is fiction. What are they going on about? And then you actually come here. And I was at the Facebook developer event last week. And it felt exactly like one of those events out of this TV show, Silicon Valley. And your, your ability to kind of, in, it's actually real. It's not fictional. It's this really magical place where everyone around here is in tech. It's this one, one, one trick town where any person you're going to meet, any conversation you're going to have, it accelerates those interactions. So A, just coming here, whether it's joining Google or a big company or with your own startup, is, is just this amazing environment, which is, can be get in London, in, you know, in, in the Silicon Circle, but like it's, it's just a, such a larger magnitude here that it's just really hard to kind of explain. So that was the first thing that I was really interested in. The second thing is, is that you know, ever since, like, I, was, I remember using AltaVista search engine as a, mm. as a, as a kid in the 90s, and um, ever since Google came out, it's one of those companies that everyone follows. And the ability to be part of that team is just kind of, it's been a dream of mine. It's yeah. just being in a place where creativity and smart people exist is just an amazing place. And then what I get out of it personally after joining here and being here for the better part of the last year is, A, you're surrounded with some of the smartest people that you'll ever meet. 
um, and the creativity and the challenging of your ideas and what you do is amazing. And B, the environment that you have here is is so different to any other corporation that, that you'd ever be in because you have that flexibility and autonomy to kind of push forward what you want. Yeah. Um, and finally, the skills that you gain. So I'm working with some of the best product managers in the world, um, with some of the best engineers in the world, and you're facing a design questions that you would face with any startup. And these yeah. are skills that you you be able to replicate anywhere. And you're dealing at size and scale, which is, you know, to move a beast, YouTube's a, a massive company. We have mm. over a billion users a month. Um, and be able to move even that by, by 1%, let alone grow yeah. at 50% year over year, is just a, it's a really hard challenge. So yeah. it's, it's great to be in a place where you can experience that. And I don't remember who said this, but um, there's this uh, current futurist philosopher, but he basically said, uh, uh, the future's already here, it's just unevenly distributed. Yeah. And I want to be in a place where it's, uh, where, where it's distributed. I want to live in the future, and I think yeah. that's here. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's those are all great compelling points, and I think one of the one of the funny things might be that uh, the audience is is hearing that and saying, "I want some of that too," right? But at the same time, you hear a lot of conflicting advice regarding sort of how best to learn some of these things, right? And you're probably uniquely qualified because of the fact that you're in both to comment on this. It's part of somebody's learning experience can be by having their own company and learning this as they go along, and in some ways, those lessons perhaps harder are, are perhaps a lot more ingested or a lot more digested because you've lived them um, and then alternatively joining a large company right and and that seems like the most obvious kind of feedback that you get from a career counselor or from your parents and they're yeah. like go join a big company and learn the ropes and you've done both and you're continuing to do both um, what advice would you have for founders I mean to some extent uh, opportunities don't grow on trees all the time, you know, like th there's there's times where they there's a, a growth curve because of innovation or the timing is right or a change in an industry. And so you could very well miss the timing because you wanted to join a big company. But at the same time, um, there are opportunities like yours where you were really keen on, on getting into uh, YouTube and Google and, and you don't want to miss out on that train that is, is surrounded by really smart people. How, what what advice do you have for founders there in, in sort of making that choice? And also, where do you think you really, really get mastery of, of the entrepreneurial process? I mean, at the end of the day, and I, I would be a fool not, not to say this, you get mastery of the entrepreneurial process by doing. Um, like, the motto I came out of my last year's experience is just build something. So be in a place where you're actually building something. If you're in a corporation and your role doesn't allow you to build something, then that's, you're not going to learn anything. So if you can be in a place where you can actually, you're actually creating something real, tangible, whether it's an uh, electronic product or it's an idea or it's a different way of, of solving a problem, then you'll learn. But, the moment, um, but if you're just part of a cog and you, know, you have a job where you shift papers from one side to the left and you can be surrounded with the most amazing people, mm -hmm. but unless you actually start creating, you're never going to actually experience the, the hardships in making the decisions. The best place honestly to do that is with your own startup like if you mm. may create your own startup and if I was a hundred when I was a hundred percent on wizard that I was learning very very fast things that were very particular to wizards problem but in the long range of where I see myself as a person as an individual wizard is just one startup of many that I plan to do and it's actually one of a bunch that I tried to do beforehand of, of, of lots of failed not failed or learnt mm. experiences that I had along the way um, which didn't succeed and so 
I, the way I try to put myself and make my decisions is, is as long as I can be in an environment where there's actually something that's going to be created at the end of the day, where it's a product or it's mm. a, a, an idea that, that people can actually go and use as a new method of solving a problem, that's where you kind of, I think, gain critical mass. But, I mean, you bring up a good point about having multiple projects. You know, in the very beginning of, of some ideas, people sometimes do have multiple projects. I mean, I've met several founders who are working on multiple projects. I just happen to be pitched one of them. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about the opportunity cost right now of your time? Um, I mean, if I can ask a very cheeky question, yeah. it's like if we fast forward to 10 years, which one of the two choices that are kind of right now being played out do you regret not putting more time into? So um, it, it's not a fit question. It's a question that I get asked by my co-founders every single day. Yeah. Um, uh, it's one of those things where we uh, we have these. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that at another at a further date. Um, to be fair and honest, it's it's also a question of the strength of your team. So I have a really strong team. Uh, my two co-founders are able to progress and do a lot of work without me. Mm. And my role at the moment is more giving guidance and focusing on the one element, which is what I, what I created, which was the algorithm, which helps make the decisions mm. or th uh, around it. So that's, that's, that's allows me to focus on that. And as long as I give enough time to that, that works fine. I would love to be giving, you know, 50 hours a week into that and whatever, you know, and 50 hours a week into YouTube, but it just, at the end of the day, your time is constrained. So I don't know, I don't know in 10 years from now what I'm gonna regret, but I, I actually, to be honest, when I think about it, I'm, I don't think I'm going to regret anything because at the end of the day, what's driven all my life decisions has been um, my will to learn. And so as long as I'm learning something and I'm advancing, I'm getting somewhere, and those skills can be brought out of the bag any day. I mean, mm. if I think back at the startup I had before Wizard in my undergrad, um, it was uh, trying to solve a problem of, uh, it was before the iPhone, and uh, people still had home phones, mm. um, and they were trying to... Uh, we noticed this problem that everyone would come home and they would still use their mobile phones. And I did this business project for a, a telco company and they were losing their landline revenue. So we're kind of, well, hey, we can solve that solution. What if, you know, you could have your contacts on your home phone and not on your mobile phone and, you know, we create a device that did that. And, yeah, obviously it didn't succeed because, you know, innovation technology just iPhone took in and smartphones came up and Android phones came in and no one even remembers having a home phone anymore. Mm. But uh, at the time, it seemed like a great idea, and 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 you know, if we maybe would have pushed on it more or or done it faster, we would have not missed the opportunity. But I still learned from that experience, and I still I learned from that experience about partnering with a tech company. I learned from that experience about how do I set up a company with with my with my founder. I learned yeah. from that experience and spoke about it and used that to get into business school. You know, uh, and 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 spoke about it with founders when I spoke about uh, with with people uh, who were interested in funding with it. So yeah. So as long as you're learning, I think you're going forward um, and never be in a place where you feel too comfortable. So at the moment, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable either at YouTube or at Wizard. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of hard work and a lot of learning. Yeah. So. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, um, you, you have another unique attribute, which is you are obviously international and then coming to Silicon Valley as opposed to sort of being born into this environment. Yeah. And, and thus, you probably have a very unique view. And... You know, a lot of the founders out there, especially those that are listening to this, are, are likely to be international founders themselves and wondering, okay, do I move? Is it like the TV show, you know? And so maybe you can give your top three sort of tips for like a founder that's moving to the Valley and is in the process of thinking. And, and you guys, look up Eitan's uh, profile online. You know, in many ways, he, he's a, very much a peer. 
Um, and so it'd be interesting to hear from a peer's perspective um, what it is that the top three tips would be for a new international founder coming to the Valley. I, I would say come. So that's the first thing I would All say. Right, uh, that's the, right. just, just, just get on a plane and come. Uh, I actually ended up coming here because a friend from business school, he, uh, he came on one of those business treks out to the Valley. I was very keen on staying in London. And he basically said, you, you need to come. Like he, he sat me down, sat my wife and I down at the kitchen table and said, you don't even understand how, how amazing this place is in terms of what you hear. So the first advice is to just come and just revel in it because every place you go to have coffee, whenever you have something to um, sit in a restaurant, when you meet someone randomly at a bar, they're in the tech industry. So you're actually surrounded by your peers continuously. So that's the first thing I'd have to say. The second thing I'd have to say is make sure that you meet new people. So if you're here, don't lock yourself up in your, in your home or with your startup. You make sure you go out and you go to all the meetups as possible and you have as many drinks with, with, with people out there as possible because that's how you learn here. You learn by interaction and meeting other people. And what I found about Silicon Valley more than any place or San Francisco or, or any other place in the Bay Area, what I found about it is people are super generous with their time. So people are not pretentious about what they do. You'll meet people who are multi-billionaires and are happy to give you uh, three seconds of advice. And you'll meet people who just, you know, started their startup or work for a big company. They just people are just passionate and very happy with their time. So yeah. just go out there and meet as many people as possible because that's how you're going to accelerate your learning. Yeah. And then the third thing um, that I would say is try to bring what you have from home here. So in some ways, this is the most advanced place in the world, but in other ways, it's the most backward place in the world. I mean, a lot of startups that are exist out in, in the Valley are because they're solving a problem that we don't have in the countries we come from. So the best example I have for that is Venmo. I come from Australia, and internet banking is easy. If I want to give you money for going out for lunch, I just pull out my app and I transfer, and I've been doing that for years and years and years. Here in the US, they still use checks to pay for stuff. And that's where Venmo needs to come and disrupt that problem. And so there are a lot of practices and things. Checks, like what's that? Maybe for the people who don't know oh, what a check is. <laughs> <laughs> Writing on a piece of paper and piece you pay of paper. With that. Yeah. What's that? Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of that happening here. So there's actually there are a lot of things that we do in our home countries which are can be disruptive to Silicon Valley because we don't even have, that problem hasn't been solved here yet. Yeah. And so, so bring that extra mix um, here. And then the last thing would be, well, this is the classic rocket internet is basically Whatever you find here, try to think about how you can apply it to your own country, your own area, because maybe that's where you innovate and, ma and make a massive difference. Yeah. yeah. Great. That's great feedback. Um, we always like to end with uh, an opportunity for you to do a shameless plug of anything you want. Of course, just to make it and keep it interesting, uh, let's not plug Wizit or uh, YouTube, but anything else you want, uh, charity, uh, blog, friends, cause, somebody else's startup, product you really like. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Uh, should have given a chance to actually think about it. There's so many things out there that I really like and enjoy. Um, I have starter campaigns. <laughs> I have a, a friend of mine has a uh, has a startup that is just starting now. It's in it's in Malaysia actually. Um, it's called Service Hero. It's la launching in six weeks. Service Hero. Service Hero. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's going to be huge. He raised the seed found the the fastest seed seed round I've ever seen anyone raise in six weeks. He was. He was gone just from an idea to, to where he's at, he's at now, and I think it's launching in in, in a 
six to seven weeks from now we spoke about it so um watch in the southeast asia if anyone's in that area watch out for that it's going to be a big startup can you tell you what it does yeah it's uh from from my understanding my conversations with uh, and the pitch deck that i saw um it basically it helps people uh find service providers in asia it's really complicated issue um because there's the issue of payment that they don't know don't have a way how to pay people there's the issue of how much you, um, of finding the quality of service providers and there's a lot of service providers that need to come from your home, from plumbing to doing your nails, your hair, or whatever it is. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's a it's a very interesting business model and a super strong team. So there you go, Service Hero. He's paying it forward. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for joining us. And it's been my pleasure. Until next time, guys. Bye.